Hello, welcome to the Fearless Ones podcast, where we build fearless people who create and lead a fearless generation. Matt Ham, Kevin Adams, back at it today. Kevo, happy Wednesday, brother. Yeah, happy Wednesday to you. All good, man. Glad to jump in. Uh, I know you have, uh, uh, I guess, had some family. I'll let you describe it, but uh, you've been you've been out a little bit. So, yeah, how's it going? We, our family is in the middle of uh, vacation this week uh, down at the beach, which is close by. So it was an easy jaunt for me to uh, come back home and um, have a little bit of quiet time and be able to, you know, do do our show and get some great content out to our people. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll leave back this afternoon and jump back into Kidville. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> well, glad you were able to do it, and uh, <clears throat> hope you get uh, have a, a, a wonderful rest of your week. But uh, we uh, we've got a title today that um, you know I really wanted to use the word fitness because that's that's such a popular thought. And, uh, but I don't think people think of spiritually fit. So, uh, so the title is, are you spiritually fit and how to know for sure? And so we wanted to use that kind of platform idea of fitness, you know, and really discuss what that looks like from a spiritual perspective and uh, give some insight there. So that's what it is. Well, I love it. And you know, I'm thinking as, as you send me the title, as I'm preparing, you know, my mind's already kind of churning about it. And I think about my own life, you know, um, it, which is funny. You can see on the little thing behind me, there's all these little medallions that, you know, I've collected from doing triathlons and, you know, races and all this kind of stuff. And it's, it's amazing that people train up physically and it's a measurable, tangible, I can see my physical fitness. And there are those who don't really care, don't pay attention to it. But then there are those who are so hyper, almost obsessive about their mm-hmm. physical fitness, you know, and mm-hmm. it's their workout regimen and their routine. And when you relegate your spiritual life into that same uh, metric, it, it, it doesn't work. And so people go, well, yeah, I'm, you know, I read my Bible every day or I get my devotional time and then I do my fitness. And it's like, is this really what we're after? So I love the title and the direction it's going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, you know, the first question is uh, really to, to ask what is spiritual fitness? And, uh, you know, the next question would be, do you have it? And then what does that look like? So those are the main questions. Uh, the goal of the today's show is to answer the question, how do you know for sure or how to know for sure? And, uh, you know, it, it really just walk through that process. One of the things I, I, I used was the opening of the cleanse, which, you know, it's funny. I looked at the date on this and, you know, it, it's from 2017. So I remember just, you know, staying holed up in a, in a room for probably a week and writing this thing. And uh, that's the way I function best. But uh, the idea is spiritual instinctiveness. And I think, you know, that that term may not resonate as much as spiritual fitness. So I wanted to, to, to bridge the gap, but the real goal is 
what is spiritual fitness? And, and I would say that it's spiritually becoming spiritually instinctive. And um, But I wanted to just read a little bit from this cleanse to, to give a little bit of a, uh, I don't know, kind of a context uh, of what this is. All right, so this just says what the cleanse will do. And again, this is something that, you know, as uh, part of our curriculum, it says, uh, this is a unique devotional series that walks you through the organic process of learning to navigate your entire life by faith one day at a time. It is designed to help you become spiritually healthy by teaching you how to become spiritually instinctive in every area of your life. <clears throat> Most of us have an earnest desire to make a positive impact on the world but are often derailed by our inability to discern and overcome the negative impact it has on us. Underlying strongholds, negative thought patterns, and spiritually illegitimate rationalizations. Uh, A little bit more here. As a result, we miss what God is up to, developing our spiritual instincts, by focusing impatiently on what He's not, developing our will and end up navigating between the two with a compromised view of God and an unhealthy view of our current circumstances and priorities. It is from this vantage point that we get trapped in the practice of applying moderation to our relationship with God by inadvertently attempting to balance the primary demand of faith to fully trust Him with the peripheral demand of our circumstance to fully trust our own understanding. Uh, This, however, is an impossible task because just as you cannot serve two masters, you cannot indulge in worry over your earthly circumstances while resting in the heavenly value they present, nor can you engage in spiritual growth by assigning that growth a lower priority in your normal daily routines. All right, that's a lot, but, you know, again, this needs to be recorded. It needs to be archived so you can pause it and you can go back through that if you need to. I just want to get it out there. This is... Uh, page one of the cleanse, and and there's a lot of pages there, but this is the point. We want to become spiritually instinctive. We have to talk about what that means, and so the easiest way to do that is to uh, use the physical uh, discussion to to bridge the gap. If you look at um, what. Uh, fitness is versus, let's say, you know, a lot of people are what we might call healthy. That doesn't mean they're fit. There's a massive difference between those two things. So it's not even good and great. Healthy by today's standards is, is pretty shoddy. Fit, on the other hand, means a lot. So, uh, and most people are not fit. They might not be fat or they might be skinny fat or whatever, but they're not fit. So we need, we need to look at that from a, a physical standpoint, and then let's just dive into the spiritual stuff. So jump in, man. I know I'm talking a lot. Yeah, I think I think people relegate faith to, well, either I believe in Jesus or I don't. And so it's you're either saved or you're not, you're in or you're out, and that is it, right? And then what varying levels of your spiritual maturity exist, it's like, oh, well— vocationally I'm in ministry, therefore I'm a pastor or whatever. And so that's like a different level. But like, I think most people relegate their faith to yes or no, check the box in or out. And what you're saying is like, 
with spiritual life, like there's, there's layers upon layers of spiritual life that move from not only in or out saved, unsaved kind of thing, but then into a healthy mindset, which is you talked about in the cleanse, your view of God, you know, his personality, how do you navigate your own strongholds? You know, how does that manifest in your interpersonal relationships? Uh, doubt, fear, anxiety, worry, fruits of the spirit. And it moves all the way on this spectrum into this idea of someone who is spiritually fit. And you would look at that in the sports arena or fitness arena as maybe an Olympic type athlete, someone who is just, you know, completely learned how to uh, become their highest, best uh, physical self. Like that same spectrum exists within the spiritual world. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I would, I would say that someone who's fit, um, now you can, you can categorize that by what type of activity you're doing. You might be fit for running, but not fit for surfing. Um, but I want to set that aside to me, what fitness means is that all parts are strong. Everything works together, you know? So, uh, it's the whole, um, and that is different than what we might call healthy. So, you know, but, but before we go back to that, I want to, I do want to mention this, uh, spiritually instinctive is, um, you know, we have a human instinct. God creates us and he wires in something. We don't have to be believers to have an instinct. That's a human instinct. For instance, if a a kid is running out in the road, and I mean, this happened to me with my son when he was little. Um, if they run out in the road and a car's coming, it doesn't matter if you believe in God or you live for him or you don't care. You're you know, by nature, by instinct, most people uh, will help. They'll go and put themselves in danger to save that child. That's instinct. Uh, it, you know, I mean, there's lots of examples we can come up with, but not to get too old. Most people know. So what does it mean to be spiritually instinctive? Well, this is the difference between these two things. When you, uh, this is about your nature. When your nature becomes God's nature. All right. So if you think about the spirit, the, sp- the human has a spirit. God puts that in. Everyone has it. Not everyone has the spirit of God inhabiting that spirit. So you think about the radio receiver and you think about the signal. God is the signal. So your spirit, your, your instincts work. But to become spiritually instinctive, you have to be your sp- human spirit, like a box, has to be inhabited by God's spirit. Now you're, you're, you have both. It, it works together. Okay, so there's a why behind what you do, not just a, a thing that, that needs to be done in an instant. All right, so I know it's a lot of heavy kind of stuff, but so what we're trying to do is get to a place where spiritually instinctive means uh, it becomes your nature, uh, your reactive and proactive nature. This is how you default to. This is where you are led from and uh, your natural way of thinking, deciding, and navigating. Okay, so spiritually instinctive means that really, just like it says in Romans 8, those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. So if you're being led by God, truly, 
A lot of people think they are, but if you truly are, then you would be considered in in this lesson uh, by these uh, standards, spiritually instinctive or spiritually fit, not healthy, but fit. Okay. So big difference there. Now let's come back to the the physicality. Uh, I don't want to get too much into physical, but, but still trying to bridge that gap. And please, uh, you know, I know I'm talking a lot, just trying to get a lot in, but, uh, but don't, don't hesitate to, to jump in here. Well, I think, I think to me it boils down to a very simple thought is either your physical determines your spiritual or your spiritual determines your physical, like overrides your physical. Like that's the way I think about it. Most people are so simple that their physical world is what determines their spiritual fitness. And, and it's circumstantial. It's based on how they're feeling or their bills paid. You know, do they have a job? Is their family healthy? Just all those kinds of things. And then their spiritual life is, is reflective as quote unquote good in that moment. Um, but I, I think that's the natural way of thinking. So the, 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 the biblical or the kingdom way of thinking is that your spiritual fitness is what actually gives precedent over your uh, material or natural existence. So it's man does not live by bread alone. The last shall be first. It's it's this idea where you live from this instinctive spiritual place that seems to override what is transpiring in the physical world around you, but you live in that place with freedom and confidence. And the fruit of the Spirit is present regardless of what the circumstances look like. So this is Paul in prison. Uh, This is Jesus in the wilderness. And this is the place that we all should attain to move to. But the reality is most people just aren't there. They're in this place of going, my physical is what determines the well-being of my spiritual instead of vice versa. Mm -hmm. Yeah, spiritually instinctive allows you to be what I call soulfully productive. It means your soul, your core, you know, people don't even realize they have a spirit and a soul. A lot of people don't realize that. And, but that's the part of you that will live forever. Your body dies. And uh, so we have to focus on the internal, the inner man, you know, inside out, kind of thinking. So, yeah, I mean, getting things in right order is important. But but going ahead and, and, and looking back at this, you know, kind of what, what's the difference between these two things? So we'll call the uh, spiritual fitness versus, you know, spiritually healthy, even in the cleanse, I put healthy, but, but you know, the, the, the better word is fitness. So I've just kind of listed out some thoughts here. Um, Fitness. Well, let's go to the healthy side first. You know, this again, this is kind of, this isn't milk toast necessarily. It's, it's it's genuine, but it, but it, it, it easily misses the mark. Okay. It's saved. You're saved, but you're not free. You're saved and you have a sense of eternity based on your belief in Christ that he paid the price that you have no vision not 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 a real vision you have no real vision for your life you're not spiritually fit nobody's saying you're not saved but you're not you're not 
able to be productive, not truly, not soulfully, what I call soulfully productive. Okay? The fit, spiritually fit, is saved, free, and knows why they're here. They're purposed. Okay? Now, a lot of people are on the journey from one to the other. You know, I, I personally uh, have been healthy for a long time physically, but I'm fit now, very fit. And that took a long time. It took eating right. It took a lot of dedication. So, you know, it's not for races and all that. It's just because the internal, it, it manifests itself on the outside. And there's just no way around it. So I can't do this podcast. I can't do anything unless I have all of it. I want to be absolutely everything God made me to be. That means I must be at 57, physically fit. But that's not my goal. My goal is to honor God, to be strong in all areas. And so that is a better testimony. All right. So do you, so, do you think, Kevin, do you think it's possible for somebody to be spiritually fit and not physically fit? Is that possible? Uh, well, I'm not saying, you know, somebody in a wheelchair or, you know, I'm saying as, as long as you have a choice, I'm saying what is internal will manifest itself on the outside. There are people who are have cancer. There are all kinds of issues, and God didn't create those issues. We're in a broken world. So, I mean, you can always look at uh, the uh, exception, but we're talking about the rule, you know, the rule. It, 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 and, and that is, if you have the opportunity, which most people do, and they overlook it because they're focused on the exceptions or, or complaining, they don't want to be spiritually fit or instinctive, okay? So just keep going through this list. All right, so the healthy are saved, but they have no real vision. They pray about it, but they don't know how to listen about it, and they don't listen about it. They just keep praying about it and praying about it and praying about it. You know, I don't often ask for prayers, very seldom. It, it doesn't mean I, I think I'm cool. It means when I'm when I'm serious about it, I ask. And, and you know, I don't pr- ask for prayers about everything because I know what God's saying. All right. Now that sounds arrogant. I don't mean it to be. It's for everyone. But when I do ask, it means I don't understand something. And you know, but God always answers. And so that you know when when you when i say they pray about it but you have to listen you have to learn to listen about it listen about it you need to do a whole lot more of that than praying about it he heard you you know you haven't slipped his mind this is real faith but praying about it over and over and over again you know that's like the persistent widow and the and the judge that is not like god so you know all right so so we, we, we talked about that. Um, you When you <clears throat> learn how to listen about it. All right, so here's, here's a big one. The healthy uh, feels the nudge 
but they they follow as their default self-preservation. The fit are willing to suffer with Christ. First Peter 5, read that. See what it does for you. Go to the end of it. It establishes you, strengthens you. These sufferings are temporary, and, they're, and they're, you're not the only one. This is important, okay? So when you feel the nudge, you must follow it. So, you know, the fit knows and follows God's will. Uh, and, and we can talk about how that looks corporately and specifically in your life. But it's a massive difference to feel the nudge and then follow self-preservation than it is to be willing to suffer. It's, it's, uh, it's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy or fun or any of that. It's hard as crap, but it's, it's part of your growth. And so if you're not willing to do that, then you're not fit. You may be healthy. You may be saved. But you cannot be productive for God in the way that he created you and with the purpose he's given you. And I'll stand on that. Okay, there's more, but jump in. No, no, keep going. Okay, um, here's another one. Uh, The healthy slightly understands strongholds. These are negative behavior patterns. Uh, the positive ones are not, we don't call them strongholds. Um, they slightly understand strongholds, but, but aren't willing to grow out of them. They may know them, but they don't take the steps to get through them, to be done with them. The, um, the, the fit um, do the work. They, they spend time on it. They grow. And over time, you see that growth. Um, that's how you, you know, you know, one of the things when, when I work with people, um, what we see, we see when we see people over the long term, you see their lives change dramatically. But in the short term, it looks like, you know, some heck's going on. They outgrow their friends. They lose stuff. Their job changes. It, it becomes difficult, but it's, you know, for you to uncover who you truly are, you've got to jump in. You've got to be all in and, and, and it's hard and it takes time. So I would say that, um, you know, the healthy may understand this, you know, in their processor, but they, they, they do not take the steps. Uh, they're not willing to, to, to grow. And they stay where they are. And if you don't, then you, you'll you see some things in your life be pruned off. And that's hard. Most people do not want that. So. Kev, what would you say is a, a motivation for someone to recognize and, and really even care about the reality that they are not spiritually fit, that they need to become spiritually fit and make it a priority to become spiritually fit? Like, I'm seeing levels of this. So, like... There's the person who is unaware that spiritual fitness is even a thing, right? And they're probably not listening to this show. They're probably doing whatever they do. But then there's the person who is willing to listen to the reality that there's a difference between somebody who is spiritually healthy and someone who's saved, quote unquote, to someone who's spiritually fit. And they're willing to recognize that, but they're kind of apathetic toward it. They choose self-preservation. And that's kind of what you're talking about. But then there's somebody who goes, well, dang, like 
I I have such discipline in my life toward my finances, toward my physical health, but I don't have the same level of discipline toward my spiritual fitness. What do you think it takes for someone to recognize that and then make their spiritual fitness a priority? Well, here's the easiest way to say it. Uh, If it isn't what God wants, it won't last. It will die with you. So if you just want a comfortable life, then go for it. You have a choice. Um, If that isn't motivation enough, then I certainly can't motivate you. Um, So, you know, I want to be encouraging, but we've had a whole lot of encouragement. What we need is we need we need to find our hard place and to push back. We need to grow up spiritually. And so, you know, I was listening to something the other day. It's funny. You know, some guy started a podcast um, six months ago, six months ago, um, said something minor, sort of clever, not a big thing, really, uh, in a political world. And uh, good, good dude, and I'm sure. <laughs> You know, and now he's on the war room and he's, you know, he's got all these new followers and everything. And I just shake my head, not because I want him not to be known or whatever, but we have a few people that listen to this. And every time it grows, I just always want to keep killing it because I don't want anything that God doesn't want for me. But if God's doing it, you can't stop it. And if you're willing to wait that out, then your life will become incredibly valuable now and forever. If you don't want that, then you're, you're, you're not lining up with what God wants. God created you to accomplish something. So the only way to understand that is to dive in. Um, there's a reason he tells us not to store up in barns. There's a reason he sell, tells us you can't serve two masters. People like to hear this stuff. They even, you know, may cringe at it a little bit in a good way. Like, man, I need to. But actually carrying it out, um, there's a very few people that will do that. Now, the people that will still struggle with it. It's not easy, but they take one step, one step, one step. Okay. So it's not some kind of thing you can do in a minute. It, God disciplines us and he grows us through that process. He prunes us and there's, there's pain in that. We have to be willing to suffer with Christ. If you don't like that, you're in the wrong uh, genre. <laughs> So I don't know how to motivate somebody. My job isn't to do that. Um, It's to challenge them. And I think that's more encouraging. You know, I'd rather have a steak. uh, And this is a steak. You know, if you savor it and eat it slowly, it will give you great strength. All right. So I think the the best motive is or deterrent is to realize that if it isn't what God wants, it will die with you. It will not last. What's the point in that? You know, that doesn't mean you can't have a good life with the desires of your heart. Uh, you know, I long for certain things, but I'm waiting on God. And we, you know, we get knocked around every week. But we don't, uh, 
you know, we don't we don't let those things shake us. Uh, sometimes they're harder than others. But uh, this is meant to be encouraging, not but encouraging through something that's real. Again, this is innovation, not regurgitation. You want regurgitation, you're going to get that at your local church. You're going to get that from YouTube people. This is not that. All right? This is different. I don't have anything personally to offer except uh, my own experiences. And I'm speaking for myself, but but as, a, as an organization, Matt and I both, you and I both, uh, have the heart you know, uh, to, to reach people and we'll fight for them. But, but I think the problem is, 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 uh, when people don't fight for themselves, it wears you out. And I think we have to get to a point where we speak the truth and stay willing to help, but people have to step into that and they have to do it on their own. And, uh, that's just the, the better way so so anyway, just a couple more thoughts, and then we can talk a little more about it, you know, more conversationally. But one of the biggest differences here, and, and I would consider this a motive too, uh, is healthy is corruptible. Fit, I would consider that incorruptible. Again, you know, there's always room for failure and spoilage. But what I mean by incorruptible is, I mean, you can't be bought. You're so convicted. You understand what God's saying to you. You understand why he put you here. And, and you're, you're willing to live for it or die for it. You cannot be bought. If you're healthy, you can be at a point. And that's what we've seen in the world. That's why I say all the time that, you know, we don't need more brick-and-mortar churches. That doesn't mean we don't need infrastructure and opportunities and, and uh, you know, assembly. But we need, um, we don't need more of the same thing. It isn't working. It's corrupted, and it's corrupted in all institutions. If you can't see it, you will see it. So our job is to understand that we're here now, not 200 years ago, not 200 years from now. And, you know, why? Why are we still here after salvation? What else is there? Well, you get the corporate quick answer. I'm here to evangelize and, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. But what does that actually mean? You know, we're tired of just the happy talk. I mailed it in. I did it. I checked the box. You know, I put a nice check in the church plate and keep the wheel going. Is that helping? Is it really changing lives? Um, I'm not saying it isn't helping people somewhere along the way. And, um, you know, there's good in getting together. But this is the meat on the plate. This is the true discipleship. This is what you see in Scripture. You don't see a bunch of happy talk. So well, it endures. The thing that I... Um thing that I feel is this, there's a misconception that our faith is supposed to be fun, right? Because I think we're sold in our, in our Western culture that like fun is, is part of what we deserve. Like we deserve things to be fun, like have fun, you know, and it should be fun and do things that you love and things that you enjoy. 
But if you get to the core of the gospel message, it says, take up your cross and follow me, right? He who seeks to lose his life will find it. Like the gospel message is not a fun message. And I think that we're trying to wedge the message into this concept of like fun and palpable, like, oh, I got to make this message so that people can digest it when the message is die to live. And like, that's the reality. It's like, I think part of the problem is, is we've tried to make the gospel message fun. We've tried to make it healthy. We've tried to dress it up like a donut, pretend that it's nutritious, you know, and, and in reality, you know, what we need is discipline. What we need is, um, pain. What we need is struggle. What we need is death. Like those are the things that we need. So it's, it's actually the mindset that we have has to change. And that's where to use the analogy of a disciplined, you know, a fit person. I mean, these people are, I mean, wow. I mean, they, they, like you said about your own fitness journey is it, you have to choose pain. You have to choose discipline. You have to choose a regimen structure. You have to choose those things in order to get the outcome. And I think most people do not think about their faith that way. It is they're trying to make it fun when that's never the purpose of the message. Yeah. Well, you know, look, healthy isn't bad. But it's it doesn't have the the depth and meaning. It's not a fulfilled life. It's missing the mark. If God calls you to to carry out something, and I believe everyone has this, our job isn't to ignore it for a life of comfort. It's it's to dive in head first, you know, heart first, head last. Uh, you know, I got it backwards. And follow God. God has to become the loudest voice. When you go back to the Spirit, you think about, you know, those who are led by the Spirit. These are the sons and daughters of God. This is in Romans 8. I mean, it's a powerful thing to behold. But you can't say over and over and over, yeah, I believe it, I believe it, I believe it, I believe it. If you don't believe it, if there's no fruit, if you actually aren't stepping into it, then you're not really a believer. I don't know how else to logically, you know, people rationalize it. Um, but these words, they're not mean. They're just the truth. So look at it this way. The healthy tend to default to their own will, and they preserve. They, they are self-preserving. Okay? I'm not saying, you know, somebody comes through your door, you don't need to protect your family. So let's dismiss all those thoughts. We're talking about your growth and who you are and the purpose you have here. You can't know it without going through the process. You just won't, it won't happen. You can rationalize it and push it around. You can have plenty of money or whatever, and it makes life a lot easier for you, but it will die with you. Okay. So if, if you're living, the, the idea to know for sure begin by understanding what's the loudest voice you're following. If God inhabits your spirit, you have a choice to quench that voice or allow your, your mind, your own will, you know, mind, will, emotions, all of that to be the loudest voice. 
And if that's the loudest voice because you're not in the Word and you don't, your spirit isn't listening, the still small voice gets crushed. doesn't mean you're not saved. It means you are missing the mark of your purpose, of His purpose for you. And the enemy cannot unring a bell. He can't uncreate a new creation. If you are a new creation, your job is to grow into that and fulfill what that is. So when you go and look at the examples, uh, when God inhabits our spirit and we begin to follow that, that means we have to, we, we have to endure. We, we don't preserve self. We preserve truth. The, the spiritually fit are not preserving themselves, they preserve truth, okay? That, I'm not saying, hey, I'm fit for a 57-year-old. I'm very fit. I'm not saying, hey, look at me. Here's the one, two, three plan to do it. I'm saying God changed me from the inside out, starting about uh, probably 20-some-odd years ago, maybe more. But it's been a process, and that process is natural. And guess what comes last? Money. Everybody wants money because that becomes their God. I don't give a flip about it. I care about God's plan in my life. And, but it does take resources, but that comes last. All right, so it has an order to it. If you're not willing to walk through that process and let God start from scratch with you, who do we see in Scripture? We see Jesus, right, our Lord, um, who gave up his own will. He said, I came not to do my will, but the will of my Father. He also poured himself out in the garden, and we have a whole lesson on this, will, you know, desire, the, the difference between the two. But Jesus did that. He let go of his own will. His human said, this is how, you know, not my will, but yours. He did not want to go through it, but he did it anyway. He was willing as a person. What was he doing? He was setting an example of sonship. He was showing us, modeling what to do. So if we don't follow that, we are not really allowing him to disciple us. That means at some point we're not really following him. We're preserving ourselves for a brief life of comfort. And I don't want that. I don't want to be uncomfortable. But the greater value is to follow the thing God put in you. Another one is Paul. You know, you mentioned Paul earlier. But Paul, think about Romans 9 right there in the first two verses. He said, if I could, I would be willing to be a curse from Christ for the sake of my brethren. Most people don't even know that's in there, know what it means. I've never heard anyone teach about this. I've been teaching about it for years and years. It's unfathomable to me to give up your soul for somebody else. Would you do that? I don't know anyone that would do that. I certainly would not do that. But Paul is saying if he had to, he could, he would, right? So that's, that's a benchmark. These people are the fittest <laughs> there is. And I don't mean to, to mix up Jesus' humanity with Paul. I'm just saying that you know, as people, this is what it looks like. There's great value in it. There's, there's impact, you know, not self-preservation. It's truth preservation, the willingness to endure. Yeah, that that last little segment resonated a lot with me, and I think with our listeners as well. Um, the 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 concept um, 
that you mentioned is, you know, truth preservation instead of self-preservation. That's, that's huge. Very convicting. The second piece is the order of things. You know, I, I was having a conversation yesterday with a good friend of mine and, you know, talking about life and work and the industry he's in and, you know, he's making plenty of money, but he's kind of missing out on that purpose thing. And, you know, I kind of, I said, you know, the, where most people go wrong is the first question they ask when it comes to their vocation, their work, is does it pay the bills or how is it going to pay the bills? Like that is the natural default of modern culture. You know, what do you do and does it pay the bills or how does it pay the bills? And there's some level of satisfaction that people put up with as long as the bills are paid and as long as the finances are in line. But no matter how much money you make, I mean, you ultimately get to a point like this fellow that I was talking with where he's like, you know what? I've made all the money I could possibly make. Now what? You know, go buy right a rental house at the beach and go buy a rental house in the mountains. And well, even that's kind of tough because, you know, and so it's just this cycle that it's, it's an empty bucket that's never filled if you're going right. at it for that purpose. And that's where most people are. And, and there's a, probably some people who don't pay their bills will go, hell, I'd love to just have enough money to pay my bills. Hell, I'd love to have enough money to buy a second home. I'd l- just give me that, you know, but ultimately what they don't have the maturity to see is even that guy is unfulfilled. Even that guy has reached the end of the line. And even that guy wrestles with it on his bed at night. So no matter if you have a lot or you have a little, if you're not living from this place of fulfilled purpose, it's going to be absent. There's going to be a void and you're going to be unfulfilled. And so we have to understand to, to, uh, appreciate and desire spiritual fitness over financial security. And the majority of people cannot or have not bridged that, 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 that gap. Yeah, well, that's right. I I think that um, as someone who has had plenty uh, and not, and watching God do it through the organic process that he does it through, God prepares you. He gave you so much. Why would he not prepare you to use the gifts he's given you? You don't, you you get a gift. He has to prepare you to use it, you know, and and that's where a lot of people get mixed up. They, they, they have a gift or maybe they get hold of it or, or whatever. And then they don't go through the discipling process to use it. But what you're really describing and, and, and that is, I want what's real. I will, I'm willing to endure it. I'm willing to go through it because if you truly believe and listen, I mean, I can't express, I can't even put into words what it feels like. And every time I share this with people, I'm not going to share it, but every time I share some of the things that I've had to endure with a family, people just, they go, I couldn't do it. And what they don't realize is, I'm not some hero for going through this. I just knew that I want what's real. I want what can't be taken away from me. You know, and and so going back to the rich guy, it's the rich young ruler, right? So at some point when you have everything, and by the way, it'd be nice to be able to buy a first home, you know, not just some second home, but, (laughs) you know, I'm paying rent here. And I want, I'm 57. I'd like to have a home of my own that I actually own. 
and just get to pay taxes every year. So, you know, that that's unfathomable to people my age because, well, you know, but most people aren't spiritually fit. The price I've had to pay for this, it shows me what's coming. I don't have to worry about it. God answers my prayers. All right. So, so the point going back to your thought is when you have everything, when everything, meaning all you're walking around costs are covered. You don't have to get up every day and punch a clock or, or maybe you do, but you, you know, it's okay. I actually like it. But if you, if you have all of this and then you have no enduring skills, you, if you don't have to endure, then you cannot grow. It's that simple. Um, when the storm comes, it will blow you over. But more importantly, if you're seeking the comfort instead of impact, the rich guy always comes back to a place of, I just want what's real, which is what you're saying. And, and that they want what's real. After you've had everything, how many boats can you buy? How many meals can you have at the high-end restaurant? How many businesses can you create? You know, and all of that's great. But at some point in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the morning time or at the night or wherever, you're going to be walking around going, what am I doing? Yeah. Because you see your own mortality and you go, what's all this for anyway? And what we're saying is your value isn't what you acquire or even accomplish. Your value is what God does through you into the lives of others in his name, period. That's what Jesus shows us. And that's what we have to embark on. I was very well off. But even even when I came here, after my uh, huge journey, I was a published author, had 140,000 Twitter followers. But I chose to set that aside and not follow that. What's the, what's the, the, the lesson here? You know, I, 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 God's building a foundation, okay? So it, what happens is you see other people having success, and, yeah, it's still hard. I see people going to their beach home or their second home or whatever. I'm like, dude. But I know what God's doing through me, through what we're doing, through you. And and, and I know what he's doing. I see it. And he's building something. I'm willing to wait for it. Most people are not. They want it now. They're babies. And... If I can't be fit, physically healthy, you know, I don't have insurance. I don't have health insurance. I don't have any of that stuff. I have to take care of myself. But but my goal here is to prove that God is in this, that he's doing it, that he will teach us. He will lead the way. He's the resource. So, again, when you look at the journey that everybody should be on, it's that process. It's not, hey, oh, Kevin wants everybody to try to be like him. No, not at all. I want you to be who he made you because the body needs you. You know, I'm just, my goal is to be me, but I'm going to be all in. And if, if people are not, then I'm willing to walk away from that. But if they are, I'll fight with them, for them. So that's kind of the idea. But it takes the hard work, just like you would do in the gym or whatever. You know, I don't go to a gym, but, uh, you know, I've got some stuff. I, I do a lot of different exercises, you know, but it's good. I eat right. 
You know, I don't put crap into my body. So it's the same thing spiritually, all right? Really, the bottom line is, is it your second nature or actually your nature now? Yeah. You become like God. Do you follow him when it's hard? Do you follow him when he's leading you? And how do we know that that's right? Just look at the whole of Scripture. What did people do? The people of Scripture, they had failures, but they followed the ones who had success in eternal value and even value then were the people who put God's will above their own. They followed him, and there's reward in that. And, you know, I'm after that rather than just some comfort or a quick buck or a little bit of, you know, preconceived fame. I don't care about that stuff. So it's your natural way of thinking. You're, you become uh, uh, you become an extension of what God's up to. It doesn't mean you're him. It means you're his vessel. You're a branch. You're here to bear fruit. The branch doesn't produce fruit. A woman doesn't produce a child. What happens? She bears a child. God uses mother and father, and through the mother, he, she, she bears the child. The, the branch doesn't produce. It's a conduit, right? So we're here for God to work through us into the lives of others. And you can't do that if you're just healthy. You have to be fit. You have to be spiritually instinctive. That way you can be soulfully productive, meaning your soul is now uh, God's vessel. He works through it. And there's nothing more satisfying and you know, again, I, I know it, it. It sounds uh, well. I think the, the the end game here is is helping people get to the place where they understand if you choose spiritual fitness, God will use your vessel to be productive for His purposes. Like when you choose spiritual instinctiveness, the natural outflow of that is to then become useful in his economy for his purposes. And so uh, you have to let go though of how am I useful? How is this useful? How can I produce? How can I be, you know, productive and instead choose, no, I'm just going to choose you. And then you're going to use me to be productive for your purposes. So that's that upside down nature. I think people don't see the end game though. They go, Oh, well, this is some encouraging message. Just, you know, die to myself and just give all my stuff away and never have any, you know what I mean? It's, I should never have a second home. I should never go to church. They, they, they go to this place of going, Oh, but they, cause they don't see the end game. They don't have enough maturity to see the place where they were made to do something by God. And they're actually accomplishing that in the earth. He's working through them as a vessel, something that's beyond their capacities. That's the place that most people, they don't have the vision for that. So they stop. Yeah. Most people, um, don't understand it. And we have to talk about it to help people understand it. We are doing true discipleship. We are uh, teaching people to fish. And then we're willing, those who are willing to fish, we're feeding them while they learn. That's the whole process. You know, and you don't get that 
on a Sunday or a Wednesday or whatever you do at church. You just don't. Why? Because it's very time consuming. It requires deep relationship. Um, But even that has to have an arc. It has to have a graduation process. It has to have, you know, a start. So when you think about the healthy back up to the beginning of this, I said they're saved, uh, but they don't have any real vision. Well, how do you have vision? Well, we teach all of this stuff. Um, It's too much to try to cram in, but you know, here's here's a way to to look at this. Um, I've got a lot of stuff up on my uh, <clears throat> screen, but I'm gonna try to, to keep it simple. Um, <clears throat> one question is: This was the text today. It says, "Is what you're doing working?" Well, if you think that having food and comfort, you know, that's fine. I mean, God wants you to eat. He wants you to be healthy. Um, once your bills paid, right? He's not against that. That's a good thing. You know, there's, there's, there's no, uh, poverty's not from God. Um, but is what you're doing working? In, in other words, are you, do you begin to understand why you're here? Do you feel the satisfaction? Do you follow the, the pull, the unction, the deep thing in you to begin that? Now you have to begin that slowly. So here's, Here's the rest of the text. It says, your identity as a believer is not only extraordinarily unique, it is a vacancy in history just waiting to be occupied by the unmatched, incomparable creation of God known as you. There's only one you forever. There's no other person like you. And you're here now. I don't know why that doesn't sink in. That resonates uh, hugely with me. But I've also had to stand in line and wait on food after I've had lived in million-dollar houses. And most people haven't, so they don't know how it feels. They can think about it. That's like trying to think about what it's like to drive by, throw a homeless guy a hamburger. It doesn't mean you know what it feels like. Go live under the bridge for a year. All right, so, so leading from that point, live for what will have mattered about your life in a thousand years. This is the part most people don't really want to think about. Who cares, right? Well, guess what? The people in Scripture, if they're heroes, the heroes of faith, that's been thousands of years ago. So the only thing we know about them is what truly matters. So live for what will have mattered about your life in a thousand years. That's vision. You have to do that because this life's so quick. Um. But do it with childlike abandon, 1,000 seconds at a time. What does that mean? That means every day, step in, you know, get in the Word, feel it, you know, all that whole process. And dream with God and let Him show you the desires of your heart and begin to plant seeds in that field while you're doing the other stuff. So, a thousand seconds at a time, I think it's probably roughly 15 minutes. So this is not some big thing you got to do all at once. It's not some self-help program. It's just a simple nature of, you know what? This is what God put in my heart. This is the thing that satisfies me. It actually helps people. Then you begin to see where your passion is, the thing, the what what your priority becomes, and then where the compassion is. 
and where that thing truly helps people. Not just makes you feel good, but actually helps them, changes their life in some way. That's where the why is. You follow that. You keep planting seeds every day, every day, every day, every day. And, you, and that's just diligence. But this is what we see in Scripture. And God will take you there. So it's not hard. I mean, it's not, it's not complicated. Yeah. What's hard are, are, are being half in and half out. I'm just okay to be healthy. No, I want to be fit. I want to be a, a spiritually instinctive vessel for God so that if he, he, he thinks a thought, then I feel it and I follow it. And I don't listen to anything else but that, you know, and you get all kind of stuff thrown at you, but you look at the fruit, look at the fruit. That's how you know. Okay. So that's the only reason I'm saying I'm, I'm fit physically. Uh, you know, there's people that are way more fit, but I think the, the point is I'm saying that God works from the inside, changes your life there. And then it works through the outside, including what you do, including how you eat, you know, and the things that you desire, he will give them to you. But you got to let him be the how and the how long. And that way, that way, no one can ever take it away from you. So what we're doing here, we're building something not just to help people, but to show people how to do it the right way. And the world is in desperate need of this right now. Not more church buildings, not more institutions, but this. And uh, it's true discipleship. What do you think it, it would take for the world to actually recognize its own condition? Well, I think people have to see in your own mortality is one. You know, okay. when you get older, you start seeing it. Uh, so young people don't. So, uh, but, uh, you know, pain, sometimes your own wilderness, your own will becomes a wilderness. God allows that. Right. So I think that the, the way for people to see it is exactly what the world's going through right now. You know, we 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 have to understand, uh, even in the context of being in the last days, that doesn't mean Jesus is coming back tomorrow. It could be a thousand years. It could be, you know, a week. Our job isn't to try to understand that. Our job is to get on with what we're called to do while we're here because God put purpose into it. And, you know, I, I'm sure there's a thousand ways to discuss that. But it, if you seek material, if you seek things that are just off, that are amiss, and argue them that, that, that this is the better way, it, that's fine. You know, you look like the winner, but in the in the long term or even in the short long term in this life, you will never truly be satisfied. Now, the Bible teaches this. So if you, you start with the with the basic belief that the Bible is the truth. And if you extrapolate that and stand on it and really take it in and work from that point, God will take you right where you need to be. But people uh, have to either they have to be shoved. You know, for me, I've had many nudges. Um, you know, if I was making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year and had a business worth millions of dollars and homes and all kind of stuff, which I had. You know, I now live in an 1,100-square-foot thing that I rent from somebody who can take it away from me at any moment. And 
you know, but I see the underlying foundation that God's building and God protects us. He feeds us. So you, you got to go for satisfaction. You got to go for the thing that you're here for all that other stuff. It will die with you. And that could be in one day, it could be just like Jesus. You know, we don't know. So, so you have to become motivated by realizing that scripture is true. And you're here right now, not 200 years ago or 200 years from now. And let God take you to that place. And he will. He will. And everybody has great value. You know, I talk about me a lot because I, I, I tend to just try to give my experience. Um, but it's coming from a pure heart. I'm just saying, come on, guys, let's go. Yeah. You know, that's it. It's the only thing I know. But uh, is what you're doing working? That's the real question. Yeah. You know, is what you're doing working? We know plenty of rich guys. Um, you know, I don't know if they're fulfilled or not. Um, but, but, but you have to ask that question. Well, the flip side of this too, is if, if, you know, there are people who make well, I was gonna say there's people who make millions of dollars selling fitness plans, but there are also people who make dollars selling spiritual plans as well. Um, but again, is it sustainable? Is it actually transformative? There's a lot of that uh, goo-doo, uh, hoodoo guru out there where guys are selling spiritual advice or you know whatever that's actually not transformative. It's not the truth. Um, and, and so it's really interesting to get folks to a place to consider is, you know, what do you value most in your life? And if you value your spiritual fitness and your uh, spiritual purpose and those types of things, then is your life in alignment with that value system? And a lot of times, like you said, it takes your own mortality. It takes pain. It takes a shove from the Lord um, to to get people to a place where they recognize, like you said, if it isn't what God wants, it's going to die with you. And um, that is uh, that's the thought that I want to leave people with today um, to really challenge them to uh, ask themselves, look in the mirror, do the deep search to say, are you doing something that is of eternal value or is it just temporarily to take care of your needs, comfort, you know, security, et cetera? Yeah, well, just think of it this way. Are you self-preserving or truth-preserving? Mm. And uh, those two things definitely become at an impasse. And uh, if you are self-preserving, you can be bought. You can be corrupted. Mm. It doesn't mean you're a corrupt person. It just means that the enemy can take you off track. Yeah, And that's his goal. He can't uncreate you. He can't take you out of heaven one day. What he can do is spit in God's face by saying, look, I got this one. I bought him or this one has all this pain. So, you know, so when you have those those forces, you have to be able to understand the loudest voice. And you can't do that without the word of God uh, internally and also the written word. We have it um, and we don't have any excuse. Yeah. So, but we have to lead from the front. We have to lead by example. We can't just preach this stuff. We have to show people. 
And that's the world we're in right now. We have to become like Jesus. We have to be the church rather than try to go. Yeah. We have to become it, right? Amen. So, so yeah, there's a lot more, but uh, that's cool. We can uh, end it there. That's uh, you ready? Yeah, I think I think we're we're at the hour five mark, and I definitely lots to chew on. I know there's plenty more, but we've got a you know a good show next week. I'm sure we can kind of parlay on that. And as always, if anybody has any further questions or wants to dive deeper, that's what we do. Uh, we're here. Um, you know, we've got a, a, a bucket full of resources, but Kevin's got a bag of goodies. I, I will attest to that. Um, that is uh, deeply valuable. So, um, any closing thoughts from you, Kev? Yeah, I did want to mention this. I've been meaning to mention it every week, um, and we're there. Uh, please, if you will, go and buy tickets to The Sound of Freedom. Um, if you don't know what that is, it's it's a movie that's been put together. It's been a hard-won battle, um, but, but all you have to do is listen to Jim Caviezel, and you can find interviews. Um, this guy... This guy is spiritually fit, um, by example. Uh, just listen to him. He, he's been assaulted by Hollywood, and uh guy just keeps using him. Uh, but Mel Gibson helped edit this, but this is a movie about a guy named Tim Ballard who was very, very uh, uh, given to stop child trafficking in uh, part of the world. But this stuff... All of everything you're seeing around you is dovetailing, and this is a huge thing. This is millstone territory. And so when you when you hear people like Jim Caviezel, who gives one crap about celebrity, um, this is a guy you could call up right now and he'd talk to you because he's real. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when once he did the passion movie, his career was over. So he chose the thing God put in front of him rather than money and fame. But this movie's coming out July 4th, and it's, it's going to, I think it's going to change a lot for people. So go see it, please. I, I love, I love that. And certainly uh, echo what you're saying for people to watch this. So you know what I love about Jim Caviezel? I'm pretty sure if my, my memory serves me correctly, I, I could be off, but didn't Jim Caviezel play um, Edmund Dantes in the remake of the um, old book? Gosh. Um, Count of Monte Cristo. Wasn't that Caviezel? Yeah. 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 So Count of Monte Cristo was always a book that I loved growing up. I never read a bunch of the classics, but I love the Count of Monte Cristo because I love the story line of Edmund Dantes, right? Isn't it amazing that Caviezel was the Count of Monte Cristo, right? Yeah. And basically right. think about that storyline, how it transpired, right? He was the rejected guy who came back with all the power and authority and you know what I mean? Um, and yeah. then, then he's Jesus in the Bachelor of the Christ. And now he's the same guy that is basically uh, the lead in this groundbreaking movie to expose child trafficking, pedophilia, and all of this kind of stuff. Like, for for someone who's not awake, just pay attention to how the Lord would use someone to do this. And it shows the heart of the father for the children, right, Mm -hmm. to a generation that has forgotten it. Absolutely. Yeah, it... God's people are are being used, and you see it, and and He's one of them. Yeah, and uh, I, I think there's there's quite a few of us, but 
uh, we've got to stand up and take up our call, our cross, and and we have to be physically, spiritually, emotionally prepared. Yeah. Um, because if it again, if it's not from God, it will die with you, and uh, that should be the motivating factor. But go see the Sound of Freedom. Spend the money on it, please. It, it will really help this organization. And and you know, I said this. I'm not going to go on, but I said this probably three years ago started saying we're going to have all new everything Mm -hmm. and we are we're going to have a new movie industry we're going to have new everything you think of it and it's happening Mm -hmm. Um, it's a slow process but these guys uh angel studios i think is what they're called they stepped in and and helped but they have everything against them The, the, the deep state all these idiots all these freaking crazy people that hate us stop giving your money to people who hate you and start pouring it into the things that are truly changing lives fearless is doing that yeah we're small the sound of freedom it's well worth it you know and so this is where wealth should be going yeah Amen. Well, great, great thoughts today as always, Kev. And uh, for anybody, like I said, who wants to connect, dive deeper, feel free to reach out to us, fearlesstradingcompany.com, um, or you can comment on this or connect with us on social media. But appreciate you listening to the Fearless Ones broadcast. Kevin and I'll be back next week for another episode. Y'all be well.